I'm here today with Dr. Stephen Hines from the Economics Discipline at NUI Galway. And Stephen is also a cluster leader of the Socioeconomic Marine Research Unit and Scientific Director at the Whitaker Institute. Good morning, Stephen. How are you today? Good morning, Angela. Good, thanks. Stephen, would you like to begin by telling me a little bit about yourself and your research area? Yeah, um, as you said, yeah, I'm a lecturer in the discipline of economics here and, and head up the socioeconomic marine research unit, as well as being the scientific director in the Whitaker. My own research background is in what we call applied environmental and natural resource economics, and uh, I suppose with a particular focus on econometric modelling. I previously worked as well as an environmental economist in the Rural Economy Research Centre in Chagosk, where I was carrying out environmental economic research related to agriculture. I suppose my main research interest is in microeconomic behaviour analysis related to marine agriculture and rural development policy. So what influenced you to develop an interest in this research area in the first instance? I suppose I really liked economics when I was at school and then when I went on to study it further when I went to university I realised that the you know the economic toolkit could be applied to the environment and natural resources and I knew that was the area for me you know we've tended to take our natural resources for granted uh, well not just here but everywhere but that's changing now and as an environmental economist you're trying to get policymakers and industries to consider the fact that they may be having external impacts on what we now realise to be very valuable ecosystems that provide us with you know numerous services so you're not trying to make production stop in any way but you are trying to get them to adjust their behavior so that these what we call external costs are considered and so I I enjoy developing the models that help to identify and value what these external costs on the environment are and also the ecosystem service benefits that are affected and that we benefit from as a society be they marine or land-based and I suppose that at a more personal level you know I have good reason to be interested in ag and marine in particular Uh, I grew up on a farm here in the west of Ireland so you know and I still help out at home when needed so you know particular interest in agriculture but uh, you know I've also always been interested in the sea you know when I was younger even I would have been harvesting seaweed with my uncle harvesting mussels uh, and we would have been fishing for mackerel in the summer so you know I have a background in that area uh, and you know the first paycheck I ever received was for uh, two bags of periwinkles that I picked over the course of a week in, on the shores of Canvara so I have a lot of interest in the marine areas and I have a particular love as well for water related sports so I do a lot of sea kayak and uh, surfing uh, sailing so you know I race as a member of the crew on, on a boat here out of Galway Bay Sailing Club called Now What over the summers and uh, I used to do quite a bit of sailing in the traditional gaff rigged boats here in the bay as well the Galway Hooker even daftly sailed to France from Cairo in one of them uh, one summer so looking back and now I, I, it seems crazy but yeah so you know I'm a big believer in doing research in an area that you have a personal interest in and that's that goes for whether you're just starting out on a PhD or whether you're a professor of long standing. That all sounds very picturesque Stephen <laughs> um, indeed you sound very passionate about your research area maybe you tell me a little bit more about what research is involved as part of Simru. Yeah, the unit itself came about as a result of NUI Goy receiving what's called the Beaufort Marine Research Award back in, I think it was 2008 or nine. That was funded under the Marine Research Sub-Programme here of the Irish National Development Plan. Uh, and it's supported through the Irish Marine Institute here, also based in Galway, uh, and that we'd have close links with in terms of the work we do. But the vision of that award, it was the creation of a unit that would underpin the development of the marine sector in Ireland and that would contribute to EU marine economic research and that would strengthen, I suppose, marine research in general by providing a complementary economic element into the scientific projects that go in. And, you know, NUI Galway in particular, I suppose, would have a strong history on the marine science side, but, you know, it's only more recent that the, there's been an increased focus on marine economics and so it's been a good period for us in terms of working with the scientists
scientists and becoming partners on these EU projects. Um, yeah, so, you know, the unit itself, it's based in the Whitaker Institute here. We conduct research on a variety of marine related issues. I suppose the main research focus of the unit is on the economic importance of coastal and offshore marine environments whether that's, you know, looking at the uh, economic utility of the environment, so like, you know, shipping, transport, uh, recreation, or what we call the ecological value or the ecosystem service value that we get from, say, fisheries or aquaculture. Uh, we also look at management of the marine ecosystems in terms of the policies that are out there, such as, you know, the common fisheries policy, marine strategy framework directive. Uh, so that's another element. I suppose an unusual element of the award that set up the SEMR unit was a work package dedicated to building additional research capacity in this area. Again, we pretty much were starting from scratch. There was nothing, there was, not, I won't say nothing, but very little going on in terms of marine economics in this country. And in general, it's, it's not a massive area, even globally. But that work package dedicated to building this additional research capacity capacity you know we've since we've been established we've been really successful in attracting in research funding to support the expansion of that area of research you know we're now a partner in a number of european funded projects in this area and you know we've got current projects that include everything from the collection and monitoring of economic marine data for ireland which we use to estimate the size of what we call the ocean economy to the valuation of marine ecosystem service benefits to developing models to monitor the impact of change as a result of new marine policy or strategies being implemented you mentioned there about the ocean economy stephen what exactly is that can you explain that to me please we refer, I suppose, to the term ocean economy, but you'd also hear maybe the term marine economy or blue economy being used. I suppose we define the ocean economy as economic activity that directly or indirectly uses the sea in some way as an input. So maybe, you know, shipping obviously relies on, on being able to move over the water, the sea, or economic activity that maybe produces an input or uses an output from a sea-specific activity in their production process. So maybe, you know, you, you might have a company it could be based in that alone in the middle of Ireland, but it's producing maybe uh, some kind of navigation equipment, you know, in which case we would consider that part of an activity that's part of the ocean economy. I suppose we also do, we make a distinction between the ocean economy and what we call the coastal economy as well. Uh, the coastal economy would be, you know, a strip of land along the coast that represents all economic activity taking place in that strip of land. So, you know, for example, in that case, agriculture in that coastal area would be considered part of the coastal economy, but we wouldn't consider agriculture a part of the ocean economy, if that makes sense. One of the things we do, we collect ocean economy data on the different sectors in the ocean economy. And every two years we produce what we refer to as Ireland's Ocean Economy Report. So that's, again, that was, you know, one of the work packages that we had agreed on when, when the seminary was set up under the Beaufort Award. You know, and that's how results from that report would show that Ireland's, what we call the ocean economy, is worth probably in the approximately 1.4 billion in 2014. And, you know, we'd estimate that maybe there's approximately 18,500 full-time people employed in that sector. So what are the main industries in the ocean economy? It's much broader than people might think. When people think about ocean or marine-related activity, they usually just think about fishing, maybe, or maybe shipping. But we're interested in a much wider definition of the ocean economy. So I suppose we talk about established industries that are there, such as shipping, marine tourism is a big one, cruise, fisheries, uh, wild fisheries, aquaculture, seafood processing, oil and gas, uh, marine manufacturing. And then uh, we also interested in what we call emerging marine industries as well so we're talking there about things like high-tech marine industry marine commerce uh, marine biotech and of course an interesting one marine uh, renewables 
you know, these emerging industries, they only represent a, a small proportion of the total value of the ocean economy, maybe in the region of 5% of the total value. But they have real interest to us as, as they have huge potential for growth in the future. And of course, policymakers, given... I suppose the economic climate of the last couple of years, they have a keen interest in this as well, in supporting those sectors as they're the ones that are likely to see growth and provide jobs in the future. So, you know, that's not to say that the more traditional sectors are going to stagnate or anything in any way. We still expect them to continue to grow as well, especially on the back of, you know, initiatives like the Wild Atlantic Way, uh, which is already having a major impact on tourism in rural coastal areas along the West Coast. And there's also other, you know, separate policies of developing, aimed at, I suppose, developing ports, aquaculture. In fact, there's probably a new strategy put in place now in the last couple of years for all the marine uh, sectors. You know, there's a real focus now on developing the ocean economy here in, in Ireland. And, you know, that's even more highlighted by the launching of the first integrated marine plan for Ireland back in uh, 2012. Currently, the biggest, maybe the top three sectors in the ocean economy in Ireland would be shipping would probably be number one. Then you're talking about, if we talk about seafood and bioresources combined, so fisheries, aquaculture, seafood processing, that's probably number two. And then after that comes marine tourism and leisure. They're, they're probably the three big ones presently, but you know, you can definitely in the future, there's a number, you know, offshore renewables could be another big one in the future, especially, you know, we hear about the new energy policy and, and moving towards a carbon-free energy policy, uh, not in the near future, but not so distant future, perhaps. And Stephen, I understand that you've developed models to examine the impact of marine policy change. Can you tell me a little bit more about this, please? We've developed uh, with colleagues in Chagas, actually, what we call a bioeconomy input-output model that can be used to analyse the linkages between the marine sectors and the wider economy. So if we talk about the expansion in aquaculture, if there'll be an increase in output there in that industry, on the back of that, you'll also see extra output and extra jobs in other industries that supply, you know, those new fish farms, maybe with feed, machinery, boats, maintenance services, you know. So we try and tease out those indirect effects of the expansion and trace it through the complete supply chain. So I suppose this work that represents the first attempt to model uh, the wider contribution of the marine industries as a whole. It's a very powerful tool. And I suppose the other thing to note here is, you know, similar to sectors such as agriculture, forestry and construction, the marine sector is deeply embedded in the Irish economy. So that what that means is it basically relies to a large extent on inputs from domestic resources. You know, if you've got an expansion in a marine sector, you know, in line with maybe Ireland's ocean wealth strategy, this has the potential to have some substantial positive knock-on effects in terms of employment and value added in the Irish economy because a lot of the inputs are coming from domestic sources. Um, Yeah, so I suppose we've used the model already to look at a number of policy scenarios. So we've looked at impact of harnessing our ocean wealth targets. That's the name they give to the Integrated Marine Plan for Ireland. That strategy outlined a number of specific targets that seek to expand the Irish marine sector to, I think it's uh, 6.4 billion turnover by 2020. So we looked at that through the model and we said, well, that represented an increase of 3.2 billion directly on 2010 levels. But using our model, we were able to estimate that, you know, achieving those targets would also have an additional knock-on economic impact of approximately 2.7 billion in the wider economy. And also it would result in an additional 13,000 jobs being created indirectly through increased demand for products and services required by the marine sectors that are likely to expand. You know, those results, they were picked up by the minister and he talked about them at the Seafest event over the summer as well. So it's great to see that the policymakers are picking up on our work and, you know, they're using this to form their own policy. 
we use it as well. We've looked at the impacts of expansion in the aquaculture sector in particular. Even outside of that bioeconomy, IO model, we, we also have looked at other policies and we've looked at the value of the non-market benefits associated with achieving good environmental status under the Marine Strategy Framework Directive. We've looked at the European Union's Bathing Water Directive and the changes that came into force in 2015. In that case, we were looking at just the potential economic benefits to recreational users of coastal waters and how they vary according to the extent of exposure to different risk elements identified under the directive. You mentioned valuation of marine ecosystem services. Can you explain to me what is that? I suppose the seas around Ireland, you know, they provide a lot of benefits to society that aren't captured just in the financial accounts of fishermen or these other industries that I've mentioned. For example, there's amenity benefits from coastal walks, beach visits, nature watching uh, and other, you know, on water leisure activities. You know, the general public participates in these activities. But, you know, they don't make any formal payments. You can go down and have a swim in the sea. You don't usually pay for that. And yet, you know, this has a value, obviously, to those individuals. You know, so similarly, the seas around the coast provide other ecosystems, you know, such as tidal flows, carbon storage, climate regulation, seaweed and kelp. They help dampen down storm surges. And they also, you know, along with coastal wetlands, they help alleviate uh, floods as well. So, you know, these are very valuable services to society. And yet we're almost completely unaware of those services being provided. You know, and good quality water at our beaches and in our estuaries is something that is also highly prized. You know, when you consider that the value people place on these local beaches, getting or maintaining its blue flag status, you know, that's very important to to people. So, you know, we call these non-market goods and services because they're not traded in what we think of as a usual market. You know, provisioning services such as fish that we eat off the plate, yeah, they command a price in a market and we can use price as a proxy for value. But these other non-market services such as carbon storage, you know, they don't command a price. So we have to use other ways to, to try and put a value on them. And that's another important area of research for SEMRU. So there's a number of valuation methods that we can use to tease out these non-market ecosystem values, travel cost method, contingent valuation. You know, they're quite complex, but again, it's another important area of our work. Again, it's this whole language around ecosystem services. Everyone is getting on board with it now, and it's a great way for economists to be able to talk to scientists because everyone around the table understands this language now associated with these ecosystem service values, which is great. Stephen, there's obviously um, a lot of research going on in Simru. Finally, maybe could I just ask you, has all of this research been having much of an influence on both society and indeed on policy formation? Most definitely. Um, I think, you know, the unit is now seen as the leader in marine economic analysis in Ireland. And, you know, we're, we're looked to from at a European level as well for in relation to the work we do. We have numerous requests by government departments to represent them as experts, uh, you know, on, at different workshops and policy sessions. For example, we've been an active member on a number of working committees, including Department of Environment, Community and Local Governments Marine Strategy Framework Directive Technical Working Group. We've been on the OSPAR Intersessional Correspondence Group on Socioeconomic Analysis. And we had a stint on the Irish Fishery Scientist Partnership as well. More recently, we had a request from the Department of Arts, Heritage and the Gaeltacht to represent them as an expert on uh, a mapping ecosystem services project. So this project, it's an EU 
led project and, and it requires each member state to map and assess the state of the ecosystems in their national territory and to assess as well the economic value of those services. So that's where we come in and we, you know, we represent the department on that project, which is great for us. And again, it fits in well with our research. But we also, you know, we, we have a number of requests as well from the Irish Marine Coordination Group and the Marine Development Task Force to come and present our work and feed into their discussions as well. We've also appeared before Oireachtas committees to present some of our findings. And, you know, we've also contributed to the work of the Commission for Economic Development of Rural Areas, CEDRA, both in presenting there to the committee and contributing to the final report of that committee. You know, it's also our work is also having an impact at the European level as well. We're a member currently of the EU Marine Board Working Group on Marine Ecosystem Service Valuation. You know, we've also been actively participating on a working group that includes the EU Commission, Eurostat, Infomar in France, where we're attempting to develop indicators of ocean economic activity at the European level. So it's great to be involved in discussions at that level and having an influence at that level. And, you know, we've also had made a number of requested visits to DG Marine in the European Commission to advise them on issues such as monitoring progress on what they call blue growth, we'd refer to as the ocean economy targets and progress related to the Atlantic Strategy uh, Action Plan, you know, closer to home. The Volvo Ocean Race came to Galway and, and, you know, we were involved in the local community initiative Let's Do It Galway in carrying out survey work to assess the economic impact of that final leg of the Volvo Ocean Race that stopped here. And, you know, just in relation to that, just I suppose maybe to finish off on that local initiative or the Volvo Ocean Race that came here, you know, the first time it came here, was it was amazing to see a community that lived by the coast being so surprised at the level of interest in and the economic value generated by that maritime festival. So maybe a lasting value from that stopover of the race was the fact that, you know, it really woke people up here and go to the potential of the marine sector as a driver of growth and development here in the region. I don't think anyone foresaw how successful that stopover was going to be or, you know, how much it would add to the local economy. So, you know, the idea that the sea can provide such economic bounty was something that just wasn't expected here, I think, in the city. And, you know, if Galway's eye for successful festivals is anything to go by, I wouldn't be surprised in years to come to see the annual arts, oyster and Galway race festivals having maybe a rival annual maritime event to compete with as well. So, you know, the research here is intended to support the development of of those kind of tourism initiatives. And, you know, all industries are in the marine sector in Ireland. And given the increased interest on marine policy and spatial planning that's going on at the moment, and, you know, environmental sustainability regulation for fisheries, energy, aquaculture, you know, the marine economic analysis being carried out here in the unit is providing national government departments and marine policymakers with a range of long overdue economic indicators for the sector, which I think everyone is finding very useful. Stephen, on that positive note, I'd like to thank you for joining me this morning and taking time to chat with me. If you'd like to learn more about Stephen's research work, you can do so by checking out the Whisker Institute website on whiskerinstitute.ie. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks, Angela.